Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Well, go with me this morning to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Hallelujah. We're talking about, or I could say the subject of this series that uh, I've been doing. I entitled it Fresh Faith. Had a couple other titles, but that's the one I landed on. Fresh Faith. You know, our faith needs to be fresh. It needs to be alive. It needs to be, uh, uh, the Word of God needs to be real to us. And when the Word of God is real to us, then it makes our fresh, our faith alive. It makes it fresh, ready. Amen? And so we looked at the, the 11th chapter of Hebrews last week, and we talked about uh, the fact, well, let's just read uh, the first part of this verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so we stopped right there and we talked about having vision, having a desire, having hope in your life. And uh, that's important. I encourage you to reach for more. Reach for everything God has available to you. Don't think that it's humility to sit back and say, well, you know, I don't, I don't want anything in life. Just, you know, just give me a cracker and, and you know, some sweet tea once in a while. You know, that's, that's, that's not godly. That's not humility. It's not, sweet tea's not ungodly. I'm just saying. <laughs> Better not be. Better not be or I'm in trouble. <laughs> but just this idea that we don't want to ask God for anything and we don't need. Well, God has provided. You know, over in, in, in uh, 1 Timothy, I think it's in the sixth chapter, it says that to, to remind those who are rich in this, in this age, to not be high-minded or trust in uncertain riches. Now, if you stop right, that's not all of the verse. If you stop right there, right there you would say, well, God has a negative uh, idea and feeling towards riches. You know, that, uh, because it makes you high-minded. But it doesn't have to. He said, he didn't say charge those who are rich in this age to, to not be rich, to divest themselves and give everything away and sell that big house and move into a, to a cracker house somewhere. That's not what it says. It says, charge those who are rich in this age that they not be high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches because riches are uncertain. You can't count on them. But the next part of that verse says, For God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Same verse. Same verse says all of that. So God's not afraid of you having riches. What he doesn't want is riches having you. He doesn't, he's not against you having things. He's against things having you. And you know, you can be, you can be all tied up with, uh, uh, and have a possessive, Spirit and be and be, uh, uh, you know, having having finances just control your life. You can do that whether you have a lot or have little. 
You can trust in uncertain riches if you have just a little pot or a big old wheelbarrow full of riches. Amen. There's no sanctifying grace in having little. There's sanctifying grace in putting God first. But anyway, we talked about that last week. We're not going to talk about that this week. But we may give some illustrations along this line. But we're going to go on. He said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it is the evidence of things not seen. This verse in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 is God's precise uh, technical definition of what faith is. If we're going to have fresh faith, we need to know what faith is and we need to know what faith isn't. Because what a lot of people think faith is, what they think... uh, when they, many people think they're operating in faith by doing certain things, but it's really not faith. So we have to know what faith is if we're going to be strong at it and, be, and have it working in our life. Amen. So this is the precise technical definition from the Bible. Now, this verse doesn't, doesn't really outline how it works necessarily or what the steps of faith are. We'll get to that eventually. But it tells us what faith is, but it also... Uh, Uh, gives very strong indication of how it works. Amen? So faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So I want to focus on that, that part, the substance of things hoped for. Those two words, substance and hoped for. Now the word substance in the original Greek text uh, let me let me read this. I have it pulled up on my tablet if it's still open. Yeah, the, the, this, this Greek word means a setting or placing under. It's actually made up of two words and, and one is under and the other one is to stand or to support. So it's a setting or placing under. This definition goes on to say thing put under a substructure, something that's put under or a substructure or a foundation. Another definition in this this same uh, outline says, that which has foundation is firm. And, And I like this part, that which has actual existence. It's used that way in, in, in not just in the Bible, but but in uh, the Greek language of the day, other writings. That which has actual existence, a substance, or real being. Amen. Well, that's, that's helpful because faith is real. Faith has real substance. It, it, it's, it's something that is... Uh, is a definite thing. It's not, it's not make-believe. And it's something that supports something else. Faith is the, subs, the substructure, the foundation of what? Of things hoped for. Now, Kenneth E. Hagin, he, I think he knew something about faith. He defined faith this way, using this scripture, based on this scripture. He said, faith is laying hold 
of the unrealities of hope and bringing them into the realm of reality. Because you see, faith is, is just a mental thing. Excuse me, excuse me. Hope is just a mental thing. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's real in the, in the imagination, in the mental realm, but it doesn't have any reality in the natural realm. For instance, you can hope for something all day long. You, you can say, well, I'm going to Gainesville and I hope to find a good parking place downtown. But just because you hope to find a good parking place gives you no power. In other words, there's nothing in that hope that will help a, a parking place open up to you. Now, that's not to say hope is not good. Hope is good. Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. I don't want to get off on hope too much right now. But faith is laying hold of the unrealities of hope and bringing in them into the realm of reality. I want to read three other translations of this verse. First from the Moffat's translation. This is Hebrews 11.1. 1. The Moffat translation says, Now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for. Now confident and confidence is one of the primary words, ways this word is used in the New Testament or translated in the King James Bible. It's translated confident or confidence. Now, faith means that we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Now, let that sink in. Faith means that we are confident of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. Because, you see, hope always has to do with something you can't see or something you don't have. You, you hope to, to, uh, to have enough money to meet your your uh, uh, this unusual financial obligation that has come up, but you don't have it. You hope to have it. Well, faith, this translation says, means that we are confident of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. Lovett's paraphrase of this verse says, what is faith, you ask? Well, I, I love this paraphrase of this verse. He says, what is faith, you ask? Well, it is an inner assurance that the things we hope for actually do exist. Remember, remember substance is, is, is the foundation. It is the substructure. It is something that that's exists, that's real, has substance. What is faith, love it said? Well, it is an inner assurance that the things we hope for actually do exist. And the conviction that they are already ours, even though we cannot see them. See, when you, ha- when you hope for something, if that's all you have, is you hope. You hope one day God will heal you. You hope to, to uh, see your children grow up and serve God. If, if, if it stays in the hope realm, uh, it has no reality. It's just a, it's just a goal. But, but faith gives the substance to it, gives the foundation, the support, and, and creates the reality of it, even though you can't see it. Now, when you say you can't see it, in other words, you don't have any outward evidence of it. Amen. 
Faith is an inner, is an inner assurance that the things we hope for actually do exist and the conviction that they are already ours even though we cannot see them. And then the Amplified Bible says it this way. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. Now, now remember that, that, those two words, the title deed. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being the proof, now let that word resonate, being the proof of things we do not see. You know, you may have goals in life, and and we should. That's what last Sunday's message was all about. We ought to have godly goals. We ought to have godly vision. We ought to have godly desires. And, and going back to last week, sometimes people will say, well, I, you know, I don't want to ask for anything because, you know, it might not be God's will. Well, find out what God's will is. If you'll get into the Bible, you'll find out God's will covers a lot of good things. He, like I said this morning, he gives us richly all things to enjoy. But people say, well, you know, I, 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 might, uh, I might not want the right things. Well... You know, you can change that. You know how? By wanting the right things. It's just that easy. It's not hard to do. If something is according to the Bible, if it's in line with the scripture, it's easy, it's easy just to say, you know, I see that in the Bible. I want that. And it would be God's will because it's in the word. Amen. So you, have, you, you should have hopes. You, you might hope one day to prosper. When my wife and I first got married, you know, we, we started off at the bottom of the barrel. We didn't have anything. Didn't he? I didn't even have a job. She didn't have a job. And uh, I was blessed to, to get a job within just a, a week or so after, after being married. And uh, for, a, for a young man, a youngster, 17 years old with, with uh, uh, no real skills, uh, to get a job with the telephone company was a really good job. But we had a lot of, we had a lot of obligations. You know, with that, because I started off, you know, with just the just you know, fundamental pay scale, the lowest pay scale. And, and it was good. Uh, I, I had more money than, than my friends. <laughs> but they didn't have a wife and child to support. Amen. So we had this baby that came along, you know, real quick. And so, you know, we, we, we wanted to, uh, to prosper, but we didn't know how to prosper. We, we wanted to, you know, when I was a child, I, we didn't, my family, we weren't super poor, but weren't very prosperous either. And, and some stage in my, in my upbringing, we were fairly poor. But we always managed to go off every now and then my, as a family and go on some kind of a little vacation. And, uh, you know, we, uh, my wife and I, we wanted to, we wanted to take a vacation like other people did. And, and so, you know, we, we did, but they were cheap vacations. I mean, we, we went out on the road and we camped and I'm not talking about in a camper or I'm talking about we tent camped and we took our little baby boy. How old was, was Steve when we went to the mountains that time? He's less than a year old. We had a, we had a Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, so we put, we put the back seat forward 
And if you, if you know anything about the old Beatles, you know, the 60 versions Beatles, you know, Volkswagens, we put the back seat forward and it made a, a, an area back there. And so there was a little flat area and then the back seat kind of sloped up and we put a pallet down, you know, some blankets and padding down and we put Steve in the back. Now it's totally illegal now, but it wasn't then. And nobody thought anything. Back then, a child, you know what a child restraint uh, uh, system was back then? I'll show you. That, that, was, that was the child safety restraint, restraint system right there. My mom did it. Angela did it. She put, the, put Steve right up next to her. If she hit her brake, she just, you know, put her arm out, and that was, that was it. She wasn't wearing a seatbelt. I think we had them, but nobody wore them. Might have had a lap belt, but that was the shoulder restraint. So we put Steve in the back of the car, that little Volkswagen, and we headed up to the Appalachians, to the mountains. Huh? Yeah, we had a, we had a, a, a small uh, rooftop carrier, you know, cargo carrier, and we put our tent and we put our camp stove and lantern, whatever, you know, our clothes and stuff, whatever we couldn't stuff, you know, anywhere else inside the car. We put it up there and we headed out. And Steve's sitting in the back seat. He's just, you know, a little under, less than a year old. So this was 71. And uh, he just sat back there and waved at all the people behind him. And people, people would wave. They loved it. We see people coming around us. And they had a big old smile on their face, you know, about how beautiful our son was and how, how happy. Nobody scorned. Nobody went, you know, what are you doing? You, nobody even thought that way. So we headed up in the mountains, you know, and... and uh, uh, it was a budget camping trip, and uh, but it, but at least we we went away. We went up in the mountains. I don't remember everywhere we went, but one place we we ended up we in, we drove up. It was somewhere in the chair. I don't. We we didn't make any plans. We just headed out. You know, we're just free spirits. We're just going to go. <laughs> didn't have any plans? Didn't have any reservations? You know, and we're just going to find a place to 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 camp. And I don't know. This was earlier or late in the in the in the week long trip. But we ended up in the, in the, somehow in the Cherokee National Forest, somewhere north uh, east of the Smoky Mountain National Park. And we're, we're driving down this little, it was in the National Forest, and we're just looking for a place to camp. And it's getting kind of late in the afternoon, you know. So we're driving this little two-lane road, just a two-lane road in the National Forest. And there was a, a camping, campground sign. And there was a little lane, little paved uh, driveway that went off the side of the road and it went up the hill and went behind some, some, you know, some woods and, and then, and then it came about, you know, four or 500 yards or, or feet down the road, you know, it came back out onto the pavement. So we went up there, you know, and, and it was just primitive campsites. And when I say primitive, I, I, I don't even think back then today, a lot of times they have those, those raised areas, you know, that are framed and have little, you know, pebbles and stuff. I don't think it had that. It was just a, just a primitive campsite and they had several of them. And uh, it was getting kind of late, you know, and, and we needed to set up tent and get something to eat. And, and so we're trying to get things ready. And it had rained before we got there. And everything was wet. So I'm going through the woods. I'm trying to find something dry. You know, I'm trying to find moss, you know, up under the, underneath the limbs of trees, something dry. You know, and I, and I was just striking out. I couldn't get anything to, anything light. And it's, and it's you know, it's getting darkness is coming. And so we're struggling, you know, and I might have lost my temper, and, you know, a few times. <laughs> I don't remember that I did, but it was likely. 
It was likely. And, uh, and so we're, we're doing this. We, we heard some voices through the woods. We thought, what? what is, there's people out. There's somebody out here besides us. We heard these voices, and I thought, well, I need to go find out because we're out in the middle of nowhere. And I said, I need to find out who's out here with us. So I went through the woods, a little trail, and went back. Well, there was another campsite back there, and there were two little boys out there. They were about 10 years old, maybe 12. And they were camping out that night. And they were setting up their campsite, only they had a fire. And so, you know, we, we got to talking to them, and, and I said, you know, why don't, we were kind of lonely. You're we out there in the woods, you know, I'm, I was a city boy. We're out in the mountains and the woods, and there are bears and all kind of, you know, terrible things, huh? What? In the dark, no fire, hungry, wet, just a wonderful trip. So we said, why don't you guys come and camp with us? And, uh, and so they did. They came, you know, and brought their tent and set up. So we, we, you know, we had company. So we, you know, we, 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 he said, well, I know where we can find some more dry firewood. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, there's a house where we can get some. So we went through the woods. I went with these two boys. And there was this dilapidated old house. I, it, was, it was condemned. I mean, it was falling in. It was dangerous to even walk in it. You know, the walls were falling. Roof had fallen in partially. It was just grown up, you know. One of these boys used to live there. He said, yeah, this is our old house. He said, we can pull these boards up because we still own the property, I think. You know, so we started tearing boards off from the inside because some of it was dry. We made a fire anyway. You know, we had a nice little trip. But we wanted more. So I remember, you know, we, we, were still, we, were still not, we weren't serving God at the time. So I didn't know anything about prosperity, what belonged to us. Well, then in, 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 in the next year, in 72, the end of 72, I got back into fellowship with the Lord. And late, maybe December 72 or very early in 73, started going to church. And somebody put Kenneth Hagin material in my hand. And I found out that God wanted to prosper us. Boy, that was a relief. Because I'd, I'd, I'd never heard that before in church. And so we started using our faith. I'm talking about using your faith. We started using, or at least I did, because Angela really wasn't. She was looking at me from a distance like, I'm not buying this. This whole religion thing, I'm going to just take a wait and see attitude. And as I'm believing God, you know, and so in 70, was it 74 we went up to the, to the 73? I, I prospered, I mean, right away, just, just starting using my faith. I was able to buy a brand new van. All the hippies had vans. And I, um, my friends had vans, but, but I, had a, I had a Beetle, so that was pretty good. That was pretty respectable. So I bought a, I, I bought, I mean, I paid, of course, I, the bank owned it, you understand. I made a down payment, made, but I bought a brand new Chevrolet van, 350 horse, and it had two seats, on, you know, had the engine cowling kind of between the two seats, a bench seat in the back, and the rest of it was open in the back. And we headed out on another vacation, 73. And we went to New York. And on the way up, you know, we went, we went to, uh, we went through the Shenandoah Valley. I'd never seen any of that. And that was beautiful. We went through the, 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 in Pennsylvania, the uh, Gettysburg battlefield. We went there. Remember that? We saw that, you know, and, and we ended up around the, up in the, in the northeastern New York in the Adirondack Mountains. And we camped, you know, and, and we had Steve with us and he was, you know, he's a little older now and, and uh, Greg, you know, Greg wasn't born yet, but we were we were prospering. And uh, then, when the kids got a little older, 
You know, it, it, I'm talking about having a vision for more. When the kids got a little older, we started having vacations to Disney World. We took Steve and Greg to Disney World. And I remember one time we went and we actually stayed in a Disney property on site. In other words, it wasn't outside the park. It was a hotel inside the park and had that tram that went around the park, came through the hotel. And I mean, I thought I had arrived. It wasn't that I was so keen on on Disney. I thought that was kind of crazy stuff, you know, but the kids liked it. But what, what, the reason I thought I, would, I had arrived, I was in a nice hotel, you know, with, on Disney property. We didn't have to leave and go out and come back. We could, we could leave in the middle of the afternoon, get the tram, go back to the hotel, take a nap, get something to eat, come back, you know. And I just felt like, wow, we're on the top of the world. It wasn't that great a hotel, but it was, it was good for us. But it was, it was significant that we were in Disney staying in a good place, you know. All through those, huh? Yeah, we only stayed there two nights, but we were there. We were in tall cotton, boy. We were in tall cotton. And that was in, I don't know, in the, in the late, mid, mid-70s, late 70s. And uh, then in 1979, my, uh, my mom and Angela's parents thought we lost our stinking minds because I resigned from this good pay. And we had gotten to the place by 1979 that, that Angela and I could go out every now and then to a really, in other words, we didn't just have to go to Burger King. You know, we would leave the children with grandparents and Angela and I would go out to a really good steak. I'm not talking about a family steakhouse with that buffet that's disgusting. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a real steakhouse with good quality cuts. Remember the tree steakhouse? That was our favorite, you know, in, in, in Mandarin, over in the Mandarin area. And so we were prospering, and she was a stay-at-home mom, and we had a newer car, and we had two cars at this time. And, and uh, you know, we were, we, were, we were doing well. And then the Lord said, it's time for you to go to Rama Bible Training Center. So I quit that job. My, like I said, our parents thought we were crazy. I quit that job. Loaded up everything, and it was a good job. Loaded up everything we had, and we, we headed out to, to, to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and we started over. Only this time, we started over with less than when we had when we got married. Because when we got married, we didn't have a job, but we got one real quick. And, and it was a good job, even though it was the basic pay. It was still, it was still enough to, to supply our needs, we, we went in those early days, sweetheart, we never went to the, to the uh, cupboard and there was nothing there. We never went to the mailbox looking for money because we didn't know how, what, you know, how we were even going to buy groceries. When we got out to Raymond, we had nothing. I cashed in a little life insurance policy, paid my tuition so I wouldn't have to deal with that, rented a, a, a townhouse, didn't know how we was going to pay for it, rented it. And, and I'm telling you what, we, we started over with less, than we, than we had when we first got married. But I'm going to tell you what, God is faithful. We began to prosper. By the time we left there, you know, we were, we were breathing okay. We had, she had found a, a really good job and we were prospering again. And then we came back to, to Florida and then we started over again. We, start, we moved back into a house in Jacksonville, started all over, just trusting God, just believing God. And within a week, you know, we uh, met with people and, and eventually this church came out of that meeting. And so we started this church. And I'm going to tell you what, God will prosper you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
But all along, my faith, our, now by this time, Angela's faith, she, she was, you know, she was believing with me. Our faith became the substance of things hoped for. We hope to prosper. We hope to, to, to have a, a, a home. And, and, you know, we bought a home. We had actually bought a home before we left Jacksonville. 78 maybe or 77? 77. I mean, we, you could see God's hand was, he was blessing us. And uh, we left and, and rented out. We came back. We did have a house to come back to, and that was wonderful. Uh, but we didn't have anything else, you know, no prospects, didn't know what we were going to do, but just trust in God. But what I'm saying is faith, our faith gave substance to what we hoped for. And we believed it. We just believed all of our needs were met. We believed that, 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 that uh, uh, not only was all our needs met, but our hopes and desires. We believed that we had plenty of money. We believed we had enough to do anything we wanted to do. We believed we had enough to, to, to obey God. We really didn't. We really didn't have any cash to talk about. But we believed it was ours. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. We had a hope uh, of, of being comfortable. And our faith gave substance to it. That's what faith does. Faith creates the reality of the thing that, that doesn't have reality in your life. You, you, you hope for healing. You hope for blessing. You hope for a, a good marriage. You hope for, like I said earlier, your children to, to do well. You have a hope for many things in life. You're supposed to have that hope. But if it's hope alone, alone it doesn't have any substance. Because I knew of other people who were in the same uh, uh on the same level that I was on, same circumstances in life, and they never prospered. They never prospered. And, and, but our faith gave substance to it. And we knew, we were, we were feeding on Hebrews 11.1 1 too. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means we believed we had evidence of it even though we couldn't see it. Amen. Now, it says here, the substance of things not seen. Kenneth Wiest, in his word studies in the Greek New Testament, he, uh, in, in the commentary part of that, he, he comments on this scripture this way. He said, faith apprehends, that just simply means it perceives or recognizes, as a real fact what is not revealed to the senses. It rests on that fact, acts upon it, and is upheld by it in the face of all that seems to contradict it. And you know, many times along the way, we had, we had contradictory evidence. It didn't, the, the, the evidence that we saw around us in our finances, sometimes in our bodies or in, in uh, just areas of life, we, we didn't, the circumstances contradicted what we wanted to see. But faith, it says, gave the assurance, gave it, and it, and it uh, 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 perceived as a real fact. We perceived what we, were, what we had asked God for, we perceived that as, as a real fact. And we were, we were convinced of the reality of it, even though we couldn't see it, we, even though it, it, the, the circumstances around us contradicted us. But see, if you'll do that, 
and hold on and continue to, to uh, uh, hold on to these things, believe it, and act on it. We had to act on it. For every uh, victory in faith, you have to act on what you believe. You can believe it, but if you don't act on it, then it just shows that your faith is not alive. It's just make-believe faith. The Bible says faith without actions, corresponding actions, are, are faith without actions is dead. And so, you know, you have, to, you have to act on it like this verse says. That means in, in every situation, if you're, if you're believing God for something, the Lord will lead you to do something that demonstrates what you believe. You may have a, I don't know why I'm on finances. I didn't intend to. It's not really in my notes. But you may, you may have a, a financial goal. But the Lord will, this, now don't, don't follow other people's actions. Faith, the Spirit of God will give your faith and give you the corresponding actions that you need to take. If you try to just do what other people do and mimic them, you won't get very far. But, but if you're, if for instance, if you're believing God for something, and you're believing God for, for finances, I guarantee you the Spirit of the Lord is going to lead you to take a step of faith in your giving. Now, step of faith in your giving is to give something that uh, is more than your, than your natural flesh wants to. Now, it's not necessarily a huge thing. It can be. It's not necessarily a great large gift to someone or some, you know, some endeavor, but it'll be more than what is comfortable. Faith requires, always requires us to step out of our comfort zone. Why? Because God wants us to reach for more. If you, do, if you only do what you think you can without God coming through and really rewarding you, you haven't, you haven't acted in faith yet. When you give something that you know, now, Lord, I, you know, I, I need this. This is not in my budget. Now, I'm not talking about writing faith checks and, you know, bouncing checks. I'm not talking about that. But you have to have money in the bank, you know, if you're going to write a check. But, you know, you, you need that, that money for other things. You need it to live on. You need it to, 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 to operate. But the Lord will lead you to give something sometimes that is beyond. It doesn't fit in that budget. It's not in your budget. And you're going to have to take it knowing that you need it for something else. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, taking food out of your child's mouth or anything like that. We, uh, though we seem to sometimes. You know, we told, we told uh, I told the Lord when we were at Raymond, now, Lord, our cupboards are empty. And I'll go hungry, but my children are not going to go hungry. I have an obligation as a parent to, to make sure that our, our children are provided for. And I said, the first meal we miss, I told the Lord this, I said, the first meal we miss, that is my children miss, and, and are not fed, I'm packing up that day. We're coming on, leaving school, we're coming home. Because that's, that just tells me this is not true. Your word's not true. And I'm in it. And, uh, but you know, we never missed a meal. It came close a few times. But we were sowing what we, what we, what we could. We were, we were acting in faith. Keep acting in faith. Keep acting in faith. Keep doing what 
it looks like you can't afford to do, whether it's financially or physically or whatever it is, uh, do what you know to act as if you had the answer. That's what an act of faith is. It acts like the, that, like the provision has already been made. It acts like the answer has already come. The thing that you seek is already yours. And so you can, you know, if, if you're sick and you believe God, your faith is out for healing, you, you're going to have to get up. You have to get up before you feel like it. Amen. You're going to you have to put some action to it. And what are you doing? You're acting like the word is true. But, and, and, and the reason you can do it is because your faith is giving substance to it. Faith appreciates and perceives as an as a actual fact that the things you're believing for are yours. Well, if you believe it's really yours, if you believe you're healed, like Brother Doug when he was in the hospital a couple of years ago, he told the doctor, he said, I'm going home. The doctor said, you can't go home. You can't even get out of bed. And, and Brother Doug said, you watch. So he got out of bed. If I'm, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm correct on this from what I remember, the doctor came in and said, what are you doing? He said, Doc, I told you I'm healed. Healed people don't lay in bed. They get up. And he went home very quickly after that when he wasn't supposed to be able to. They wanted to put him on a ventilator and all kind of stuff. He said, I'm telling you, doctor, I'm healed. Well, that simple act of getting up out of... I'm, I'm assuming you didn't feel like getting up. <laughs> Not at the time, he said. But he got up and put action to his faith. Glory to God. I, Doug, I so enjoyed talking to you when you were in the hospital. On the phone, every time I talked to Doug, he was talking about the presence of God. He said, man, God's presence is in my room. I'm just, God is so real to me. And he, I mean, he was... He was like in a, in a, a, a spiritual zone of it. God was just blessing him. He was in the hospital, but God took that situation and turned it around to his good. And I guarantee you there are things that were deposited and put in you during that time that you're still feeding on. Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I tell you, church, there's nothing like the faith life. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Faith apprehends as, a real, apprehends as a real fact what is not revealed to the senses. We know what the senses are. Hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, and smelling. The natural realm. And there are times when, when, uh, when you're in faith, none of those senses give any evidence. But praise God it works. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. God is good. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for faith. Thank, I said thank God for faith. Amen. God's word is true. Faith is the substance of the thing you need. Whatever it is you need, whatever it is you're hoping for, whatever it is your desire is, you need to understand that faith gives substance to it. And without faith, it'll never come to pass. Now, you can, you can do things on your own. You can accomplish things for yourself on your own, and there's, no, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
but and 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 things that can be accomplished on your own. I, you know, we all do that. But there are some things in life that you can't accomplish on your own. Or there are things in life you can accomplish, but you want God to get the glory. You, you, you want to get it with your faith. Because we should always be reaching for more by faith. We can do all of the things in the natural we need to do to, to give ourselves uh, advancement and to, and to, and to uh, help us, help ourselves. But there's nothing in this world like believing God and letting God demonstrate His provision. Oh, hallelujah. Because God can provide more for you than you will ever be able to provide for yourself. God will provide more for you through your faith in response to your faith than you could ever provide for yourself. Now you may think, well, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got life pretty much figured out. And I'm, things are well. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I've got money. I've got nice things. I've got a good marriage. I've got a good family. Children are respectful and and uh, doing well, and uh, you know, well, that's good. But you're 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 capped. You're limited by your own ability. God will make all of those things. He will far exceed in every one of those categories. He will far exceed anything you're able to do on your own by trusting Him. Glory to God. Because God gets glory. He gets glory when we are fruitful in Him. When we believe Him and He responds to our faith and and we see the outcome that we've sought uh, through faith. God gets glory in that. Oh, hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.